Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 59. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a magazine called Rootless Living. If you haven't already, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free, that's right, a free digital subscription and start reading the only magazine that is covering what it's like to have a life that is full of travel while you're also still working, also known as being a digital nomad. On this episode, I get to chat with Rachel, also known as the RV Adventure Gal, and today you're going to hear from someone that wasn't afraid to go at it alone, but how on the journey she has conquered some other real fears. But before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Rachel to the show. How are you, Rachel? I'm awesome. That's so cool. Now, this is kind of fun. Usually in the pre-call, which you guys don't get to listen to, uh, one of the things I say is the the idea of the show is pretend we're at the same campground and I happen to walk outside or we happen to even notice that we're at the same campground because we connected on social media and I happen to walk outside and and bump into you and just start asking you questions. And literally you and I had that moment um, a few months ago. And it's so funny that now you're on the show, which is kind of I mean, you've already lived through what I tell people to kind of expect on the show. You've already lived through it. So it's fun to have you on here. Yeah, that was a fun experience. Our favorite state park. It's a small, small world. I mean, I know people think RVing, it's, oh, it's going to be so long before you run into someone. It happens a lot more. And, um, you know, I go back to not a plug. There's that Nomad Near Me app, which I think is really perfect for the situation when you do have people that you are connected with. That if you happen to be somewhere in the same area, it'd be nice to know that because we could literally go, you know, Maybe you don't post for a week or I don't post for a week. And then we'd be like, oh my gosh, we were at the park at the same time. So it's just one of those things that just happened to happen, which is really cool. All right. So I digress. Let me get into kind of the rapid fire of this stuff. Do you consider yourself a full-time, part-timer, some-timer? Full-timer. And where are you in the world right now? I'm in Hurricane Utah outside of Zion National Park. Now, as a full-timer, are you in an RV, a Jeep, a boat? What are you doing? Yeah, I, I full-time in my fifth wheel. It's a 2007 Keystone, Montana, renovated. Nice. Did you own an RV or do RVing before the one you have right now? No, never. I was a tent camper, but had never experienced RVing of any kind. That's literally how I explain camping. I, I and, and no offense to anyone that considers RVing camping. If you've tent camped, you realize really quick that there's camping and then there's going out in an RV and they are two big different things. For sure. This is definitely a condo on wheels. I say that all the time too, where people are like, wow, you get to camp for a living. And I'm like, one, no, I don't get paid just to camp. And two, <laughs> it is a condo for sure. That's funny that you use right, that analogy. Just calling your well. house around. Exactly. I just happen to move. It's almost like I'm wanted. And instead of moving from house to house, I just take the house with exactly. It makes it easy. Yeah, without a doubt. So let's go back to when did full time start for you? When did you get into an RV full time? I moved in in the beginning of July. I found it in June, went up and spent a couple nights in it and was like, I want to do this. So I went and bought a truck and went back and got it, made it happen. So, but when was the, like the idea, when did the idea of maybe going full-time in an RV hit you how far back before June or was it just May and you were like, screw it, let's do it. I got this idea. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> no. So for the last few years, i My husband passed away from cancer. It'll be three years ago next month. And after losing him, I kind of lost a feeling of home. We were in Michigan at the time. I ended up moving to Utah. I went to experience the West, bought a house, renovated it, 
and thought it was going to be like the dream home where I was going to be happy. And I realized that I spent most of my time out driving around the desert, out exploring, and I was never at home. And I was like, you know, I wish I could find a way to be able to just travel full time and live, not have to worry about my mortgage, you know, be able to put all my money into traveling. So I sold my house and I looked at some options. I looked at tiny houses. I looked at houseboats on the Columbia River up near Washington, Portland area. And I had no idea about RV life. And I found some videos on YouTube and I was like, wow, you know, this might, if I can learn how to pull an RV, this might be exactly what I'm looking for. And uh, I just decided I was going to go for it, watch videos and learn. And I'm like, I can do this. I'm going to do it. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're coming up on your one year and, and I'll backtrack and say, you know, I'm, I really, I'm sorry for your loss. That's got to be really hard and tough. And I think we all deal with uh, grief in, you know, different ways. Like it's funny. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of sidetrack for a second. I watch a lot of these crime shows and a lot of times the innocent, are accused of the crime because they're not grieving the right way. There's a yeah. right way. There's a right way to grieve. Like I could see, and I'll make an assumption that maybe family and friends would be like, hold on, Rachel, we get that you're going through something that's really tough and you know, it's hard and you kind of want to fresh start and figure it out. But is RV the right thing? Did you run into that with family and friends? Like you're nuts. You can't go traveling solo as a female in an RV never <laughs> RV before. Like, what are you doing? You're going to hate it after a month. Or was it like, yeah, you need to do this. Go for it. Well, you know, they were kind of that way when I moved across the country. Um, so they've kind of gotten used to me just kind of going my own way and then being worried about me. Uh, when I decided I was going to do the RV thing, there were my family and friends by that point had really kind of learned that that's what I needed and going forward. And that's what made me happy was exploring and not being tied down to one area. And so at that point, after a few years of dealing with my shenanigans, they, they thought it was a really great idea and they were really supportive in the thought. That's really cool. But let's get into a little bit. How has it been being a solo female traveling in an RV? I, I'm, I'm probably, well, I can't say I'm the least sexist person because I think when you say that, you come off sounding like you're very sexist. It's kind of like, I'm not a racist, but, and then you say something very racist. Um, <laughs> I feel like... I, I could see myself solo traveling. You know, I'm a big dude and, you know, it wouldn't be scary for me. And I see that a lot. There's this fear of a female doing it alone. And, and granted, there are thousands of females that are solo traveling. Did you have that fear at all? Or was there concerns about it? Was like, how was the learning curve on all that kind of stuff? You know, I really wasn't afraid. I think that that's what helped me take the leap. I wasn't afraid. I think that's one of the things that that came to me through grief was I lost a lot of fear of things. I lost my fear of heights. I lost my fear of the dark of being alone. And I just kind of realized that, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Life is short and don't let these fears hold you back from anything. And so, yeah, fear wasn't really an issue for me at all. Yeah. And I actually feel like this lifestyle is really safe. Like when I, when I hear people saying, I don't know if I could do it because I'd be really scared. Is it safe? And I'm like, where are you moving from? If you're moving from like South Central Los Angeles, this lifestyle is so much safer. Right. Like you're, I, you could be fine. I spent, 
16 years in the downtown St. Louis area, not a safe place at all right. near Detroit. You know, this is way safer. Absolutely way safer. And that's what I always it's, laugh at because it's one of those vague and ambiguous questions based on the knowledge of the person. Is this, is the RV lifestyle cheaper than normal living? Well, tell me what your normal living is and then I'll tell you if it's cheaper. If you're spending 50 grand a month to live, you know, in, I don't know, you know, Manhattan, then yeah, RVing is a lot cheaper. If you're spending 800 a month, to live in a small town in, you know, Utah, maybe it's not. And that's, what's funny too, about the, the fear. It depends too, where you're coming from. Yeah. And it, de- it depends on, you know, what you do and how you live and travel. I mean, all that factors into it. My monthly budget. I mean, what I spend monthly is a lot less, probably half of what my mortgage and the upkeep on my house in St. George was. So. That's awesome. And you're, you're full on traveling and having all these kind of amazing adventures. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned, the fear of heights, you know, we're connected on social media and I see you doing a lot of this hot air balloon. I mean, that's, that's like, you have to have completely conquered your fear of heights to do. A hot air <laughs> balloon. I mean, I think bungee jumping is probably the only thing that's a notch above or parachuting above a hot air. Balloon. I'm ready to do that next. Wow. You're- yeah. And it's funny because a few years ago, I would have never, I remember I went up in a helicopter, I don't know, two and a half years ago and I, I was shaking. From, I was so scared the whole time. And by the time it was over, I was just kind of cool with it. And it just seemed like everything just kind of disappeared after that. The hot air ballooning. Honestly, people think it's scary, but it feels so natural. You just float. You float up away and you float down and it's quiet and serene. And it doesn't seem scary at all. Not like a plane, a whole plane that's lifting into the sky. <laughs> right, right. That's what I was saying. <laughs> like, but I, that's weird that you see that as different. I would feel a plane would be so much safer in that kind of feeling where you know, a hot air balloon, I'd be the guy to be like, are you sure you got enough propane or whatever it is? Gas, you sure you were good? Right? We're good. You want to check that one more time? Let's check that one more time. I just would. And the worst that happens if you run out of propane, you're going to drift back down to the ground. I mean, like it's, very not, slow. it's not all that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is just a side joke that I think is funny when it comes to like hot air ballooning, bungee jumping and parachuting is everyone has to be very accurate and specific about their weight. Like, that's the thing that made me laugh. Like when you're bungee jumping and you know, I don't know, you're out with someone that's been saying forever, they're 115 pounds and the bungee jump guy's like, how much do you weigh? And it's like, I'm 142. It's like, wait a minute, your ID says 150. You have to be, nobody lies when it comes to bungee jumping or parachuting about their weight. Everyone adds on even like a fifth. No, let's just, let's just round it to 300 for me. I'm good. Right. I know I'm around 280, but let's just round it up just to make sure the shoot's big enough. Um, that's, <laughs> for sure. I don't know why I went into a little comedy set there on that. My bad. Um, so I met you in St. George area and you're there currently right now. What has been your travel schedule like since you got into the RV and granted, you know, I mean, coming into an RV June and July amongst kind of COVID and what's going on, you know, it's been limited anyways, but where have you kind of been so far in the RV? Um, yeah, so I spent, I kind of spent the first two months in Kentucky, um, refinishing the outside of the RV. It had some body damage and it needed a new paint job. And so stripped all the stickers off and did that. And then I uh, went to Tennessee for a while, I guess maybe a month or so. My daughter's in college there. So have some family there as well. So hung out around that area in the Smoky Mountains. And then uh, I made my way west. And I've been in this area since, I guess, Thanksgiving. I had some doctor's appointments and some tests I've had to deal with. So it's kept me here longer than I planned. I, I only planned on being here a month, but I think I'm going on three months now. I've flown out a couple of times for trips, but other than that, I've been kind of in this 
Zion area for the last three months. I mean, if you have to have an area to be stuck, it's a pretty phenomenal area. And, you know, it really is. It is like I, I know you can speak about it. There's so much to do. And even if you're someone that's I would say, let's say, is not active. When we first got there in 2017. I wasn't what I would consider myself a hiker or a kayaker. And uh, I purchased kayaks in that area. And then I went on you know, the Angels Landing hike, which was like probably my first real hike, which probably shouldn't be your first real hike. Like you should, <laughs> you should do some baby trails before you have to like put gloves on and like hold on to the side of a cliff kind of a thing. Just I haven't, I haven't gotten up the nerve to do that one yet. I'm still, like, I need to go do it. I'm concerned if I'm going to make it all the way to the top, but I'm going to oh, try. Even. Oh, you'd make it hundred percent. I mean, it is when you hear the things that you hear, it sounds a little scary, but. I always say that if I can do it, because you would think being tall, like hiking is easier. It's actually harder. You have a bigger footprint. You know, it's they're not putting the rails where a side rail would stop someone from flipping over. It's hitting me like at the knees, you know, so it's like <laughs> it's like scary. forcing me to flip over. So if I can do it, anybody <laughs> can do it. And it's it's really worth it. Even if you get to like almost the the peak before you kind of go up on the chain area and you kind of say, yeah, you know, that's good for today. That's still a really beautiful area too. And then you can make the, everyone's so encouraging and understanding. And, you know, there are people that you can tell that are really trying to conquer a fear of all so many different things to do it. And then you have the guy that's like, you know, running by whistling with a Walkman on and he does that run every day. And you're like, okay, okay, bro, easy. Some of us were a little scared here. Um, Have you done uh, the narrows where you do the, the hiking and water? I, I did the Narrows, um, yeah, back in, I think, maybe 2018. Nice. I, this was the area that I lived in before I went full-time. So my residency is still here. So that's oh, why I'm okay. here at the moment for doctor's appointments. But yeah, so I've, I've done a lot of Zion in the last couple of years, but I haven't done as much this year. I've been kind of exploring the outskirts and also been involved in the balloon stuff. So that's kept me busy. No doubt. Now, what is... um. Is there a plan moving forward for the rest of 2021? Do you have like one of those... You know, for me, it's definitely to try to visit the lower 48. I think I'm 45 of the 48 right now. Do you have anything like that that's kind of in and around your traveling? Or is it really just kind of like where the wind blows you? It's really honestly just kind of where the wind blows me. And that was one of my goals is not to have to plan something and feel like I was on a schedule and feel limited if something came up and I wanted to do something. So, yeah, honestly, for this year at least, and I'm sure. I can already tell, you know, a few months, you know, I don't know, six months, seven months in that that seems fun, but it can be a little stressful letting yourself. You think not planning is fun, but not planning can be stressful. So I think after this year, I'll plan, but this year I'm just going to just kind of go where the wind blows me. I'm going to spend some time up in Moab um, over the next month. I'm going to move in two weeks and then uh, go from there. I think I'm going to head up north this summer up to Washington and then across through, I guess, Montana, Minnesota. Yeah. It's an awesome area. I, we did that kind of loop in 2017, exactly what you're talking about. And I really enjoyed it. And you actually do some boondocking as well too. Like you'll get out in the middle of nowhere, right? I do. Yeah. I haven't done as much. It's been winter time and honestly, I just really wanted the hookups to be able to stay warmer without using a, just a load of propane. I boomed up for like a month over Thanksgiving. That was awesome. I loved it. 
It was great. It's it's amazing how long I can boondock too, just being one person in this fifth wheel. I mean, I have huge tanks and I mean, there's just me. So my tanks last forever. Do you really have, great. I think do you I have solar like 20, or do 20, 21 days without having to refill anything. Oh, wow. That is actually, yeah. Cause I think our max with two people is about 14 days. So that's interesting. You know, are you on solar or do you run a generator? I run a generator. Nice. I plan on installing solar. Eventually, I just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I think we did almost two and a half years of boondocking before we went the the solar kind of route. And, you know, I I look back and, you know, our generator did a great job. I got one of those stupid, really loud ones for like 200 bucks, which was really dumb because, again, I didn't know anything. I didn't know for, you know, $700 I could get, you know, a Predator like Harbor Freight. Again, not a sponsor that would you know, be whisper quiet and do everything I needed, which is so much different. It's so great to get out and boondocking and then running like a Harley Davidson outside of your rig. <laughs> you know, that was, <laughs> I don't know what right. I was thinking, but you know, it's all the mistakes it that we all make. It is still loud though. And I work, I still work. And so like needing power every day and having to charge power banks for when I didn't want to run the generator or running the generator so I could keep my laptop and you know, my devices going can, can be a little bit of a pain. So right. I like, I don't love that part about it because you pretty much have to run the generator a lot if you kind of want to have all that stuff going, but. Yeah. I think that's where like, a, like a, a medium or small size solar setup really helps. Cause you know, yeah. So, yeah, especially for me, there was a weird situation with one of my old microphones that when the generator was on, it picked up a weird frequency in the microphone. And I thought the microphone was broken. And then one day the generator's off and it sounded great. And then I put it to two together. That's putting off some sort of frequency that's freaking the microphone out. But, you know, when you're out in the middle of nowhere and it's 80 degrees, you kind of need the generator running. Or, oh, for sure. Or, or like me, I was camping and it was like 16, 18 degrees at night. And so that was kind of a pain, like filling the generator up and then like making sure it was full <laughs> and get you through the night. Right. So you didn't lose the death by in the morning. Without a doubt. So you talked about charging devices. I'm going to transition to work. What is it that you do for uh, work? I assume you're still working or you just, uh, did you win? the? Uh, I, yeah, I am working. I'm nice. working very limited right now. I do social, I, well, I do social media management mostly. I also do some virtual assistant work for some small businesses and some marketing for them. Yeah, it works really small scale right now. Honestly, it's kind of the thing that I'm doing to make enough money to pay for my monthly expenses. And that's about all the focus I'm putting into it for this year. I know weird people are always like, Oh, do you want to market your business? Do you want to grow your business? You know, why don't you advertise your business, your business online? And I'm just like, you know, I have all the clients and the hours I need right now to make the income that I need. And that's all I'm, that's all I'm going to put into it this year. I'm putting all my energy into exploring and adventuring and meeting new people and having new experiences. I almost feel like that's different than kind of the bricks and sticks mentality. I, I didn't run across it as much as I do in the RV community where I literally have met people that have like had a seasonal job for three months and they stockpile all the money and then they travel for nine and just things I just never met when I would say, you know, a normal like house life. And it's interesting. You're not the first person I've, you know, ran into or it's that idea of I'm going to do what it takes to, you know, pay my bills, but I'm not looking to, but in 40 hours a week right now is then, you know, then why travel? If you're working 40 to 60 hours a week, you could literally do that from a cubicle anywhere. And the part is giving yourself the freedom to kind of adventures. Stoke that you're, uh, 
you're making that decision for yourself right now. Yeah. People look at you crazy. It's a, yeah, it's something that's hard for people to understand. It would have been hard for me to understand when I still lived at home, you know, or still lived in the sticks at bricks because it was mentality. The more money you make, the more money, the bigger house you get, you know, the more payments you load upon yourself and the more you have to work to keep up with it all. So it's a whole, it's a whole different thing. You know, you, feels you bring up a good point that, you know, I know what my monthly kind of nut is right now. And, you know, the business is slowly growing and I made a commitment to myself that I'm not going to change my nut, not going to add things to it because I'm really content and happy with the way things are, you know, maybe I'll splurge and get a new truck at some point. But other than that, I'm not going to do things that just add the weight and the heaviness that I have to keep kind of the wheels turning financially to just break even. Because yeah. I think about that. I think about when I was, what I consider myself broke, you know, like in my twenties or I started getting married and having kids, I was really happy. I was broke, but I was really happy in the sense that I just didn't have all that like pressure and concern. And I feel like I have that in this life, but I don't feel broke if that makes sense. But I just don't have that pressure yeah. or I'm like strapped to, or it's like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do next month. I just haven't had that feeling since being in this life. Yeah, it, it feels good. I mean, I I remember thinking that I had to have, you know, I had more money. So I had to have the bigger, the bigger house and everything. And then it's like, then I had to devote like a day and a half to cleaning the house and, you know, all of the maintenance and all of that stuff too. That's one of the things I love about, it's not a, you know, it's not an all the time thing. You have things that go wrong here and there, but it's just, it's just like, there's not much to maintaining this life not many hours out of your week. And that feels amazing too. Yeah. I know. I was watching a friend's story this weekend of them doing yard work. And this isn't someone that does yard work. You know, there's people that do yard work and they love it. Like it's a, like it's therapy for them. This wasn't him. <laughs> and I was just looking at that going, I'm so glad I don't have my entire Saturday where I have to mow the front yard, mow the backyard, the side yard. Like I have all these yards now, but someone else is maintaining it. And it's been, right. it's been great. I really kind of enjoyed that. When it comes to work, what's been, have there been challenges for you at all? Even though you're kind of limiting it in regards to work, you kind of set your schedule with your clients. Are your clients weird that, you know, you're a full-time RVer and you're not in one place. Do they expect to be able to have face-to-face? -face? And I, you know, I, I've always asked those questions when people are kind of remote working. No, actually. So I kind of got into this line of work when I realized that I wanted to travel full time. All my clients already knew that, that that was a plan or that that's what I was going to do. I have weekly hours that I'm, you know, face to face hours that they can contact me and we can Zoom or we can, you know, have conversations during the week, usually a few hours a day on a couple days a week. Other than that, one of the things I love about my job is most of it, besides the marketing, really, most of it I can do through programs at any time of the day. So I can go explore during the day, daylight hours. And then at night when everybody's you know done for the day, I can come in my RV by myself and sit there and work all evening, get things scheduled, get things out. And that's... I love it. It's amazing. So yeah. flexible. Yeah. I think my goal... I mean, right now I'm still pretty much... You know, there's a little bit of work seven days a week, but it's, you know, it's heavy Monday through Friday. I'd really like to get to the place where I'm only working like Tuesday through Thursday, those three days. And then I have, you know, four days off, like almost flip it the way that it normally has been. And because also, too, I agree with you that like nighttime is really like where I feel like I do a lot of my work just because there's really not much I can do outside. 
you know? And so I've kind of flipped my schedule a little too, where, you know, especially when I'm designing the magazine or editing a podcast, let's say I'm trying to do that when it's dark and I'm inside the RV and then using daylight to go do things, which is not normal for most people. Most people, no. yeah, they want you to be available nine to five. And, you know, I've, I've talked okay. about on the show that I had a sales job that, you know, I was, I thought I was setting my own schedule because ultimately if I didn't make sales, I didn't have a job. And they were still very much like they want you to be nine to five. And I was like, nine to five where, you know, I've lived on the East coast. I lived in central and now I'm Pacific. Like, how does that make sense? And it was just like a weird kind of dynamic that we're all stuck like in this like maze. Like, no, you got to work nine to five. I was like, nine to five where, you know, what about five to nine? Five to nine is where you get a lot of work done. I feel like I'm so much more productive during those hours. You know, I'm alone, so I don't have any distractions in the evening. It's dark outside. There's nothing. You know, I don't see the sunlight coming through the windows and I'm thinking about, you know, things I want to go do. It's just there's no distractions. And it's I don't know. For me, it's the perfect time of day to work. I get the most done. It's awesome. And I will say, I mean, I don't want to kind of tee it up. I want to hear from you first. If you were working for someone else, do you consider this lifestyle that you would be a better employee or a more distracted employee? What do you think about yourself? If you were working for someone that didn't have constraint on hours, if it was just like, Hey, you need to work 20 hours a week. We're not going to tell you which hours to work the 20. Do you think it would be a better employee or you think you'd be? Yeah, I, I would say a better employee. Yep. I own my own job right now, but I'm not at the point of growing a business. But if I was ever, if I ever get to that point or decide to do that, I would definitely hire people that are in this situation. I feel like they would be a much better employee. I know for myself, when I worked nine to five jobs, you know, I'd go in, you know, you'd see the sunlight during the day. You'd wish that you were outside, you'd go on break. You didn't want to come back in. I don't have any of that in this lifestyle. And I feel like people in this lifestyle would definitely be better employees for that reason. I don't think they'll resent the fact that they're working because you know, they get to go kind of, you kind of get to just go do what you want and work when you can. I love that. I always make the joke that this would be a great job for the customer service. Like I had to call QuickBooks today and ask them some questions. And I was just thinking, this guy's not in a very good mood. You know what I mean? Like, and I was thinking, man, mm-hmm. if, if an RVer was doing this as a job where, you know, instead of going to a cubicle and fighting the commute and all that kind of stuff and sitting, you know, you're looking outside and you're looking at a lake and you're putting in your five hours of your calls and then, you know, you get to go out and be on the lake. You'd be in such a better mood. Like this is a great kind of job. I mean, lifestyle for that. And you did say something I want to, that I love that you said was that you own your job. And I don't think I've ever talked about this on the, the podcast. I have in my own like personal marketing space where people get really confused between like entrepreneur, business owner, and job owner. And, you know, I love that you said that you own your job and, you know, you're not really concerned about growing a business. And those are two different things. And I, and I don't know why people get hung up on it where, you know, currently right now, even with the magazine, I technically own a job that's slowly now turning into a business. At some point, it'll be able to work without me. Right. Right. And, but if you're, let's say you're a photographer and it's just you, you own a job because if you're sick, no work's getting done. You know what I mean? Like, and it's weird. I mean, it's just a, a weird digress, but I, I mean, I, I love that you said that because people somehow, you know, it's like, I'm an entrepreneur. All right. What is it you do? I own my own you know, graphic design company. Wait, what? How's that? Explain the entrepreneur side to that, you know, kind of a thing. And right. that part is interesting. And I, I was a graphic designer and I referred to myself as a graphic designer and I owned a job. And when I hired a couple of people, I had a graphic design business. 
but I never really considered myself an entrepreneur, considered myself a business owner. It was just cool that you said it because most people don't. Yeah, no, me either. And I did, I did photography as well for years. And I've, I've always felt the same way. It's I, not to bash anyone who says it, but I feel like it's not a company if I can't take a day off and it still runs and work still gets done and things are handled. Do you know what I mean? Without a doubt. I think it's because if you go back to school, we weren't taught the difference between we were taught that you, you know, you go to college and you go to work for someone else. No one is really teaching you that it's great to own your own job, whether that's a, you know, a plumber or a photographer, a graphic designer, social media marketing manager, whatever it is, there's nothing wrong with owning your own job because you're setting your hours, you know, learning great skill sets in regards to going on and selling yourself. But mm-hmm. there's this idea in order to be like successful, you have to be a business owner or an entrepreneur. And I've given the example that when I was a solo graphic designer and I had a little small little print kind of company, I went ahead and got a big office, hired a bunch of people. We were probably doing 10x in sales, but I made half of what I used to when I owned my own job, working out of a room in my house. And I remember having that moment like, why did I get caught up in this where I have to have this business with this office space and these employees and all the stress of making sure that these people with kids that are getting married now and all this stuff that I have to cover their salaries and I'm getting half of what I used to get. Why can't I just go back to that? Which I did. I just shut the whole business down and just went back to working out of my house, being a broker and doing my own stuff and stuff was so much better, but I fell into that trap. So I I like hearing, it's just refreshing to hear someone that one is saying, you know, I'm just going to work to kind of the amount of money that I need to survive. I'm not going to really worry about growing my job to a business right now. And I think we get hung up in that. I just, it, I think it deserved a call out because it was cool. You said it. Yeah. So let's get into what I like to refer to as exploring. And sometimes people are like, I don't get the difference between travel and exploring. So for me, traveling is like the home and how you're making your kind of moves. Exploring is when you're not working and when you're not traveling from place to place. What are things that you enjoy doing and seeing and going out and getting out that maybe you didn't do a lot when you were in a bricks and sticks? Has that changed at all for you in regards to your exploring? Yeah, it has. I've, well, I have more freedom to do it now. One of the things that I found when I still had the house, one of the big reasons that I decided to sell it was that I found that I was not interested in setting inside and enjoying this house that I was paying a monster mortgage for. I was interested in going out and exploring in the area around me and seeing what was around, you know? So I do a lot of that now. Like I'll, I have a truck and so I'll go out and I love, one of the things I love doing is just exploring random dirt roads, just finding a dirt road and just following it, seeing where it goes. And I found some awesome, amazing places by doing that. Kayaking is a huge hobby of mine. I sold my kayak last year. So I need, I'm in the market for another one. I need to buy another kayak. Hiking. I love hiking. Um, hot air ballooning is kind of a new hobby that I'm kind of jumping into and been learning about. So yeah, kind of all that stuff. Just being outside, just seeing what's around me and seeing nature. I love it. Yeah, no doubt. I just, I feel like as I'm interviewing people, I mean, it sounds like you did a little bit of that before, you know, as you're moving, you know, from Michigan to Utah, but it seems like there's a huge uptick in people getting out and doing things. And I, I, I personally think, and you can you know, correct me and tell me what you think it's a lot of times because there's not a commute to go do the things, you know, it's, it's literally for a lot of us, you don't have to get into your vehicle. You just get out of your RV and you start walking and you, right. you can find areas. And 
you take the commute aspect out of it. I made the example of when I used to very rarely kayak when I lived in California, I'd have to get home from work. I'd have to load the kayak and then I'd have to drive, you know, to one of the bays that I wanted the kayak in. And there were a lot of times on the way home from work, I just called it quits on that idea. I was like, I'm just too excited. I don't want to go home and load the kayak. But in this lifestyle where I've been like eight feet from the water at a lake that I'm at, when work stops, seven minutes later, I'm in the water. And this lifestyle has allowed me to explore a lot more than my old lifestyle allowed me to. Yeah, for sure. It's so much easier and you're so much more apt to do that when it's not, it doesn't have to be a, you know, oh, it's an hour drive each way or do we have the whole weekend free? So we have time to go here for the weekend because you can't just go for a day. The drive's too long and explore and visit, you know, and come back. So yeah, it definitely makes a difference when you can just go park your house near these places that you want to check out. And it's just an easy thing. Like you said, to step outside of your door or just drive down the road in your vehicle and find awesome spots that you want to visit. In regards to a kayak, I, I think this discussion happens a lot. Are you seeing yourself buying a like a, a sil- solid kayak or are you looking at buying an inflatable? I think you would end up doing. Yeah, solid kayak. There you go. I, I've, I love the idea of inflatables. It seems like when you fold them up, though, they mildew and I don't right. think they track that well. And I don't want to I don't want to have to work too hard to get across the water. I want that thing to glide. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm at the, just at the, at the mindset of if it pops, then what, now what am I doing? You know what I mean? Right. Where this thing is not going to pop and, you know, some fishing in it or someone fishing and hooking my kayak is not going to sink. So I go back and forth, but they, they seem pretty uh, durable. They seem pretty easy to blow up. And I know for a lot of people, you know, it's wheels pretty large. You'll, you'll find a space to be able to put it for a lot of people. You know, the inflatables have gotten so much better because the space is so limited. I, I think if I had the choice, I would always stay with like the hard shell kind of kayak. But if my space is limited, I enjoy it so much that I probably would break down and find kind of the best inflatable to do just so I could get out there. Yeah, hard shell for me. I have that same fear with my bike. I have a, I have an electric bike that has these fat tires and I'm always concerned, you know, like how far can I ride, you know, how far am I comfortable riding that from my RV in the desert? How yeah, I think about how how many miles am I willing to walk this thing back if the tire pops? That's always my concern. Like I'll drive it so far, and it's like you know, am I willing to walk this far back or up these hills if this if a tire pops? And so I think about that with the kayak too. I'd really just stick the hard shell and not have to worry about that. Without a doubt, that's an interesting. Yeah, it's funny that until you have because I don't have an e bike. We had like a mountain bike. I got rid of it recently. I have been in the market. We're looking for uh, an e-bike that'll probably fold up, just, you know, give me the space that I kind of need, but then be able to have it. I, I could see how they could really come in handy in a lot of the places that I've been, especially because a lot of times there's a really long hike. It's not like, let's say, a great hike to get to the lake or to the beginning of a really great hike. And I've, whenever I'm in those long stretches, I've always been like, oh, this has been really cool just on a nice little electric bike. I know it's pretty, pretty lazy, but I probably would do the mental kind of check you just did now how far do i have to yeah uh, could i lock well, this my against advice a tree? Is, my advice is get a pack for the back or carry a pack and carry an extra tube and a pump in it just in case i haven't had it happen yet but i'm just i know it will eventually probably without a doubt no that's really smart is there a state that you just kind of have on the horizon that you're super excited to kind of visit 
at some point in your travels that you haven't been to? That I haven't been to. Montana. Nice. Yeah, I really want to check out Montana in this spring, well, I guess maybe spring, early summer. I just envision all these, you know, fields of wildflowers and mountains in the horizon. And yeah, I definitely want to go check that out. Yeah, I love how kind of just I'll use the term empty Montana is. It's funny. I mean, this is not political in any way. So please don't anyone like stop listening. But when they were showing kind of the polling maps and they would show a state like completely red or completely blue, there was this one that then backed up and just showed you kind of like the main areas. And it's amazing that the majority of the West Coast outside of obviously, you know, Washington, Oregon and California, it's empty. Like when you look at like where people are voting, it's very little area. And then you just realize that there's just no one else in those areas. No one lives in those areas. And I almost got that map to kind of match it to like where I want to go, because if they don't have like big red or blue (laughs) bubbles, they didn't, that's not a lot of people voting. That means there's just not a lot of people in those areas. And those are the areas that I want to go to. I like going to places where there's not a lot of people. I've been doing that a lot in Montana and the Dakotas, uh, Wyoming. It has that so much land and so much just openness and just not a lot of people, which is great. Yeah, I love that, too. I I go through spurts where I kind of want to be alone. Then I want to be around people again. I mean, I'm I don't travel with a partner, so it's it can get a little lonely after a little while, you know, but I definitely like it for a short time, a couple of weeks, maybe here and there. Well, I'm I'm an only child and I actually really like being by myself. And I'm also what people would call an extrovert, but I'm really an omnivert. Like I get energy from being by myself and I get energy from being around people. So there is that kind of, I'm right there with you where there's that little mix. Yeah. We share that similarity for sure. Yeah. If I go, you know, weeks, like if I have, like I used to do a lot of conferences and you know, you're talking about four or five days of just thousands and thousands of people. And then I needed like a couple of days just to kind of regroup. But if I go a long time where it's just kind of me, then I also am like really jonesing to kind of be around people. So some people call it bipolar. I call it omnivert. Leave me alone. Yeah, omnivert. I'm the same way. I just I flew out to Minnesota and kind of went up near Duluth and like traveled. Uh, I think it's Highway 90 or something up along like Superior's North Shore and explored all that and was with people constantly for two weeks. And when I got back to my RV in Utah, I just like I just had two days where I just didn't see anybody. I just was just alone. Just had to regroup and. Just be on my own again. I totally understand that. Well, one of the things I like to do when I end the show is do what I call high-low. I like to start with the low, so we're ending with a high. You know, in this lifestyle, in you know the seven, eight months that you've been doing it, what's been a low that maybe you just didn't expect in the full-time RV life if there's been one? Now, it can't be flat tires. It can't be internet connection. Uh, <laughs> it can't be COVID-related because that's not in control. But if it was just something in and around this lifestyle that you didn't expect, that maybe, you know, it's kind of bummed you out or something you had to work through. Gosh, I don't know if I haven't have had any huge lows, to be honest with you. Well, you don't have to make any up either. I mean, that's good too. I, only- I, really, I, I mean, I got COVID and I really didn't expect to get COVID in this lifestyle with the amount of people that I'm around. And I got COVID back in the fall. So that was a bummer. That was probably the low. <laughs> I bet. But you're here talking about it. So it's not that, yeah. it's not that big of no, a low, which is good. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> No, and, and it's not like I, I do feel that some people are like trying to find the low, especially early on. And it's just the I think we as humans, when we're Instagramming or, you know, posting stuff, we're always posting kind of the highs. And I just want to make sure that we're not setting up for 
know, that there's this perfect life that's obviously perfect. I will say, how's been pulling the rig, backing up the rig? How was that learning curve for you? Not as hard as I thought it was going to be, honestly. It's been pretty easy. It's easier if I, I kind of learn on my own. I parked when I was first learning parking in places where, you know, I had half the RV park coming out and watching me park and stuff that was nerve wracking. And that definitely had challenges, but I mean, it's been, it's been pretty easy. Just I've just been going slow and I get out of the truck a lot and look and check things out, but it hasn't been an issue. I would love to do like a punk or like a spy cam where, you know, we're backing in and you just lose your shit. And you just, yell, you just like yell at each other and you're just like screaming and fight. You're yelling at the other people and at the end. You're like, no, I'm just kidding. Because I think like that, that's what they're waiting for. That's why people sit down and look is the like, okay, let's see if someone loses their crap. And, and it never happens really. I mean, eh, maybe once well, or twice. But one it, of the things about me being a female is I like every once in a while, I always get the older gentlemen from the park. They come over, they're standing out at the end of their spots, their arms crossed watching me. And they're like, you need some help there, hon? Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> I hate too, because, you know, if you've never backed up a, a fifth wheel, people want to tell you where to go. And I'm really of the, the kind of the mindset. All I need you to do is just to let me know if I'm going to hit something on my blind side. I don't need you telling me where to go. Just let me know if I've gone too far before I've gone too far. Because I'm the same way. It can yeah. get confusing when someone's trying to instruct you and you kind of lose the ability to be able to figure it out yourself when you're trying to listen to their instructions. Without it. I mean, I did stay at a park in Washington where I want to say the road, it, it just was mathematically impossible. And the guy's like, no, I'll be able to get you in. I've done it. I've helped many people. But I literally wasn't looking at the mirrors. I was just looking ahead and he was telling me what to do with the steering wheel. And we got in, but it literally took like almost someone having, you know, like a little guide in the front because just there was no way you could see all the angles. You needed someone on the outside really doing it. And that was the one time where I was just like, I'm not going to try anything. You tell me, I'll just listen to you. And we got in, but I don't think I ever would have got in with you know, three or four people telling me what to do. Plus me wanting to do what I wanted. Oh gosh. It, but I had a situation like that once at a little, um, Airbnb and I think they're, um, harvest host now, a little farm and Cleveland, Tennessee, and they had a, some swinging gates that went into their area and you pulled along kind of alongside their house and this where they had hookups. And I was trying to back out of there and I'd gotten so far to the right when I got in that trying to back out onto a main road and through their gate was just, they both helped me. And I still like, I think, um, ruined the side of their retaining wall. I got the tires too close. And so that was, that was a pretty big low. Now that I think about it, I'd forgotten all about that. Yeah. So I've had moments. I busted out the back window of the truck one time too. Oh, you jackknifed it? Yeah. Yeah, jackknifing it too hard. And then it was fine. It it but you know, it it hit, but it didn't crack. And then when I got out of the truck at a rest stop and shut the door, then it just shattered. Oh wow. <laughs> that delayed delayed reaction. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I put a dent in my cab. My window, I just the way that I guess the Dodge was made, it didn't shatter the window. And I know exactly when it happened. And I know that, you know, it, the maps got me on a one-way road that I shouldn't have been on. And I was trying to jackknife turn out of there. It didn't actually seem like I was turning that hard. And then I heard the little crunch and went out. But I actually did the other side too. And I don't know when. Like, I'd never been in a tight kind of jackknife position since then. I, I just, I'm like, when did this happen? I just noticed it. And it could have happened 
months between the two, but I don't remember it, didn't hear it, didn't ever really say to myself, wow, this is really tight. Let me get out and look. Yeah, auto slides are pretty amazing and, and I regret not getting one. Yeah, and you have to realize when you start RVing too, is one of the things that I knew people were always like, oh my gosh, you've never done this before. Aren't you, are you going to be able to do it? And, you know, I'm like, it's, I'm learning. So I'm going to have accidents. Things are going to happen. And I was prepared for that. So the few things that have happened, I've been able to laugh them off and like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, less of a newbie now I'm learning, you know, and it's okay. Yeah. So just, you just got to be prepared that those little things are going to, they're going to happen from time to time. That's okay. Without a doubt. Well, let's transfer to high. What's been a high. What's been a, I can't believe this is my life kind of moment. Oh gosh. Probably when I was boondocking outside of Zion on Thanksgiving and I made Thanksgiving dinner, made a steak out of the fire and made stuff inside. And I walked outside and was just standing there eating my Thanksgiving dinner off of a plate in the middle of the whole, you know, what I don't know how to explain it. You're just in the desert and you see all the mountains and, and the ridges in Zion, the distance. And it was just, it was, it was magical. And I'm just out there parked. I'm spending $10 a day in gas. And I was just like, I can't believe that this is life. This is my American dream. I can't believe I get to live this. That's awesome. That's exactly what I was looking for. Now, I know you're not trying to grow the business, but if uh, people want to reach out to you and just, you know, kind of follow your ventures, they definitely need to check out the renovation that was done inside your RV is where people are going to be able to find you. And folks, I'll list all this down in the show notes as well, too. So you don't have to try to write it down, but where can people find you? Yes, I'm most active on Instagram, RV Adventure Gal. And I'm on Facebook as well as our at RV Adventure Gal. So I try to share I try to share little clips of what I'm doing daily on both of those for family, friends, and people to get inspiration from. That's awesome. Well, yeah, definitely. And especially if you're someone that is a uh, thinking about going solo, reach out there, ask some questions. Cause I think it is, a, it is a little different of a beast of a lifestyle to do it solo, as opposed to traveling with a partner. So if you've been thinking about it, don't let the fear stop you. Reach out to people like Rachel, let them ease those fears that, you know, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I feel like it's, if you can do it, anybody can. I feel like everyone has that kind of attitude, which is great in this lifestyle. So definitely reach out to her. I'm pretty sure she'd help give you some tips. I'd, lo- I'd love to help. Yeah. yeah. Shoot me a message. I'd be glad to help. That's great. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It's fun to have people on the show that I've met uh, in person ahead of time, which is, you know, it's been rare. There's <laughs> probably three or four. So welcome to that very special club. But it was great meeting you. And it was great being able to interview and have you on the show. All right. Thanks, Damien. I appreciate it. Well, another great episode. I really enjoyed getting to share Rachel's story. And I hope if you are someone that is thinking about going solo, this has really inspired you to make the leap. Trust me, you should. You'll love it. It's an amazing lifestyle. If you want to connect with Rachel or ask her any questions on solo traveling, feel free to hit her up on her Instagram, which is linked in the show notes. And also just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, do me a favor, share it on your favorite social media channel with your friends and family. Make sure to tag us. And if you use the hashtag Rootless Living, we'll try to share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be be you. I would love to share your story. Just email me at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. And let's see if we can tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.